Welcome to the Kosafa Show with Mark Gleason and Nick Say. Welcome to this special episode of the Kosafa Show where we speak to Dr. Nonflantla Umkumbuzi about a research project that she's been conducting for the last few years in conjunction with Kosafa and FIFA. It is the study of female health in relation to football, specifically on the African continent, with the hope that it'll provide data that allows for better decision-making around injury prevention and general well-being. Let's allow Dr. Nkumbuzi to explain further. Dr. Tlatla, thank you so much for your time. Um, if you can just let us know exactly what the project is that you're working on in conjunction with FIFA and Kasafa and, uh, and how it came into being. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Nick. It's uh, So the project, I don't think it even has a name, hey? Um, we, the overall project, if we can call it that, is conducting research on African women football players. Uh, and that's why it's mainly in the Kosafa region. The idea is to increase the amount of information that we have available on African women football players because there really isn't much to go around. We know that generally, globally, there isn't much research done on women athletes, women football players in general. And when you take that down, when you then disaggregate it by region, there's even less research done on Africa and other low and middle income countries. So the challenge that we have as administrators, as clinicians, as I am, is that the decisions that we are making for female uh, athletes, for women football players, are decisions that are based on data that is largely derived from males. And one could argue that, well, why does it matter? Football is football. So it doesn't matter if the data comes from men or if it comes from women. But it does matter because men and women are different. So by virtue of their inherent differences, we are then going to need specific data coming from men and coming from women. And by the same reasoning, men in Angola are different from men in Afghanistan and they're different from men in the United Kingdom. And the same applies. Women in Zimbabwe are different from women in New Zealand and they're different from women in Panama. So we can't just be copying and pasting data from one group of people to the other group of people and hoping for the best. So currently the challenge that we have and historically has been data research is done in other parts of the world on a different type of people and then copied and pasted to another different type of people and then just use used en masse for everyone, but that doesn't work. And that doesn't lead to very good uh, results or outcomes. So that's why we wanted to do this research so that we can at least try and even that out, that we develop rich data that comes from African women football players that can then be used on African women football players, that when we're making decisions on how to train African women, it's based on data that comes from them or that we actually have that data. When we're making decisions on budgets, when an MA or confederation want to budget for something, they at least have the data available to guide to guide that budgeting or that decision making. So that's the basis of that project. And this comes from, I think it actually started in motion when um, we approached the member associations division, um, the Africa region, and we we asked them for help to, to fund the research. And they were gracious enough to afford us some, uh, some funding to do this study. So they have been helping us. And recently with the women's football division, they've been helping us with the funds for the, and the resources that we need to conduct this study. And that has been since 2020. So this would be our fourth year 
continue conducting this research, these research studies, and I think, and well, I hope that we can continue doing them so that we can continue creating more information that can be used by decision makers. And, and you talk about the data being collected. Are you able just to give us a summary of what kind of data that you are, are uh, building? Um, so because of the level that we are, as I said, there isn't much research going on and sports science scholarship and sports medicine scholarship on the African continent is, is developing. It's at a developmental level, so it's in its infancy. So we aren't able to do, you know, like the high tech stuff that other people would be able to do. So most of our data is questionnaire based studies. We did do one study where we were testing uh, physical fitness the one year, but we try and ensure that all of these studies that we do are studies that if an MA or a particular MA or a particular group decided they wanted to replicate that same study in their setting, they should be able to do it with minimal uh, with minimal needs or with minimal money spent. Uh, that way we can ensure that such research can continue going on in Africa. So most of it is questionnaire based. And as I said, we had uh, that one where we did some physical testing. Um, so is it is it more around kind of injuries or um, is it around uh, mental health or, or anything around that? Uh, uh, you meant like the actual topics that we're working on. We, we've been, we have like um, those change depending on the objectives of the studies that we have per year, but we have one that we've conducted since 2020 and that one is on injury surveillance. So every year at every tournament, we ask the team doctors and the team physiotherapists to let us know the type of injuries, the number of injuries that their players have had. And this has been going on since then. And that is injuries and illness and the medication use. So this is a longitudinal injury, illness and medication new surveillance study. This allows us to be able to characterize the types of injuries that our players have. And when we know what kind of injuries that they have, then we can start designing specific uh, injury prevention strategies. So if we, for instance, know that over the years, our players tend to get ankle injuries or ankle sprains, then it is easier for us to start thinking of what could be the causes of these ankle sprains. And perhaps we need to be focusing more on preventing ankle sprains in our population versus other populations that might have knee injury issues more or they may have more concussion issues. So that's the one. And uh, we recently have been doing studies that are on specific issues that relate to female athlete health. So in particular, the menstrual cycle. Our We did a study uh, in 2020 where we were asking them about the experiences of the menstrual cycle, and that is in an African context. And then um, uh, last year, we did, uh, the year before that, we did a study on their knowledge of the menstrual cycle of football stakeholders, their knowledge of the menstrual cycle. And um, this year we are doing a study on how the uh, the football environment, what are the facilities available for women football players um, with regards to their menstrual cycle? Do they have the facilities that they need at their stadiums, at their training grounds, at their football clubs? Do they have those facilities which can enable them to perform as best as they can as women if they're on their menstrual periods? So we most of our studies focus on the issues that are very specific to female African, to female players in general, and how that relates to them in an African context. And um, I know that you have been working alongside Kasafa um, in terms of this research. What what has the process been with Kasafa, and, and how did this relationship come about? Um, I think the process has it has had its challenges, uh, as one would expect, because I think it wasn't there before. It was something that didn't exist prior to 
to, to eat beginning, then of course one can expect some teething problems. And as I said earlier, um, sports science research and sports science scholarship and sports medicine scholarship on the African continent in general is in its infancy. So we hardly have the infrastructure to, to do the research. And by infrastructure, that also involves like human resources, that involves the policies. So if someone wanted to do a study at an MA, for example, whom do they approach? to you know, allow them to do the study? Whom do they approach for access to the players? What is the procedure to do the study? And uh, what are the things that they need to think of? And what are the things that they need to take care of? I think those are questions that still most of our MAs have not yet answered. And in this instance, that was no different. So it has been a learning process in which we are using our research expertise to figure out what are the what, what, how do we conduct these studies and how do we make it work, and then we lean on to Kosafa to figure out how do we fit into their process, how do we fit into the football environment to ensure that the relationship is symbiotic and that we are not at cross purposes. Kosafa have a mandate to deliver football to ensure that the football is going on, the competitions are being played, and. In, on our end, we now want to find a way of fitting in to the football ecosystem that COSAFA already has in place, which allows us to then do our research and do our research in a way that benefits COSAFA to, to, um, to the maximum or as much as we can. And as with anything, money is always going to be a challenge because we don't have dedicated funding. Our funding is ad hoc and it's tenuous at best. Um, that will always then be a challenge, but everyone is always looking for money everywhere. And uh, sometimes research is not going to be the first on people's minds because we want to deliver football uh, to the person on the street. They want their football delivered. But we're hoping that with time, and I think we're at a point where our working relationship is getting so we can, we understand the football environment better and we understand how we can fit in. And I think Kosafa also understands the value that we bring. And now we are able to uh, relate even better um, to mutual benefit. And, and in terms of your engagement with, with players and uh, I don't know, coaches and, and the medical teams, do you find they're quite open um, to, to telling their story and, and to providing the information? Um, I think. I think we're getting there, um, but I think in this instance, there's still some reticence, uh, but I wouldn't hold it against uh, the players or the medical personnel or whatnot. You have a tournament, and this also comes from my experience being a team physiotherapist. You are at a tournament, you only have X number of days to be at that tournament, and your main focus as the team is to play, recover, train, and go as further up the tournament as you can. So those are your main objectives. Now imagine someone else is coming in and they have their own objectives and they need you to fill in that questionnaire and they need you to fill in that report form and they're asking you to do that kind of testing. It might seem like it's at, it's counter to your objectives. So we are trying to ensure that we, whatever studies that we're working on and whatever data that we're collecting is at the team's convenience so that we cause them the least amount of inconvenience that we can. Because when we do that, when we ensure that we're working to cause them the least amount of inconvenience, it means they're more likely to engage with us. It means they're more likely to have time to engage with our studies. That's the first one. And I think the second one is when we give back, 
when we are done doing that research and then we share our results with them, I think it allows them to understand why it is that we're doing these researches and why it is important that they do. When we can share the results back with them and give them recommendations and then they can understand their place in this whole study, I think it it um, it breeds a sense of ownership and allows them to want to participate even more. And I think we are slowly getting there from the time we started in 2020. I think we're getting so much better engagement now. And I like that at the end of all of these tournaments, then we share this data with them. And then they're open to you know communicate with us if they want more recommendations, if they want us to discuss the results even further. And they're welcome to then use those results for their preparations, for competition planning, injury prevention, or whatever it is that they want to do with their MAs. Uh, and I think lastly, it's we also then with every study that we are going to do it every year, even if the team decides to participate in our research or not, we ensure that we have an educational workshop available to them. So we also want to be educating and empowering our players and our football and our, and our team doctors and our team physiotherapists that the reason why we want to do more research is so that we can have more information, information that can feed into these educational courses. But as I said, the educational course is not contingent on participating in the study. If they decide they don't want to participate in the study, that's all well and good. We would like them to participate, but if not, that's still fine. At the end of the day, we still provide them that educational course that we hope that they can take that home with them. Uh, they can take home a little more information on the menstrual cycle, a little more information on injury prevention, a little more information on pelvic floor dysfunction, how to correctly choose a sports bra, all of those things that we think would be more useful to them uh, in their planning and in their playing and training as women football players. And, and Doctor, you, you mentioned that you've been running the, the project since 2020. Um, I know that, that something like ACLs was a big issue uh, or a big talking point ahead of the, the FIFA Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Have, have any trends kind of jumped out at you or or any any other results that that have been noteworthy in that time so yes uh ACL injuries were um were in I want to say in vogue. Um, there has been quite a bit of work. There's been quite a bit of talk about ACL injuries and and I think it's because generally the trends show that women uh, football players, female football players, not just football players in general, like female athletes are at increased risk of getting ACL injuries versus male athletes. And in some studies, they've even shown that female athletes are eight times more likely to get um, ACL injuries. But I think it goes back to what I said initially, that whilst we know that in some populations, ACL ruptures are very prevalent. And I mean, if you if you watch the Women's Soccer League, the English Women's Soccer League, you are going to be hearing about that player who's had an ACL injury and is out for nine months and another player who's had an ACL injury. Um, but we don't hear that much this side of the world. We don't, we're not getting, or we're not seeing as many. And there could be many reasons. One could be that there is underreporting. So for all we know, people are getting ACL injuries, but they're just not being reported to the same extent. Or it could be because most of our players do not have medical personnel attending to them. There is no one to diagnose it as an ACL injury. And because people tend to not have money to then go and get an MRI scan to confirm it, we don't know, we just call it a knee injury. 
So I think we may not be getting as many ACL injuries as uh, as our counterparts, but we may also be getting another type of injury. For all we know, we don't generally get ACL injuries for whatever reason. And one of those reasons could be our football calendar isn't as congested as uh, as our counterparts in, in high-income countries. Um, so that load, our players are not playing a match every three or five days as some players would be in the WSL or in, in the La Liga Feminine. So I think that means we need to continue doing research that is relevant to us, that if we continue doing our own injury surveillance studies, we can then follow up on the trends that actually matter to us. So even though everyone else might be getting ACL injuries and therefore requiring to do more interventions that are ACL specific, we may not be getting as many ACL injuries. For us, it's more ankle sprains. So our data that we have in the past uh, three years, we will still have to crunch the numbers for this year. The data that we've had in the past three years has shown that we have more ankle sprains, more ankle injuries than knee injuries in general at the COSAFA level and at, at those tournaments. So for us, it would be more important to have injury prevention, injury mitigation and injury management strategies that speak more to ankle sprains because that is what we see more than, than the other types of injuries. But still, we are going to need to be doing more injury surveillance work and we're going to be more extensive about it and more consistent so that we can actually observe the true trends and see if we do experience as many ACL injuries. Doctors, they say, um, you know, knowledge is power. And it sounds like you're, you're doing fantastic work. In a perfect world where funding perhaps wasn't an issue, how far would you like to see this research go? Is Can we push the boundaries even more? Oh, my goodness. If, if money wasn't an issue, if... Um, if funding wasn't an issue, I think we would, I would like to see us um, conduct, as I said, first and foremost, injury surveillance research. And uh, this injury surveillance research and illness surveillance, I might add, that doesn't occur only at a tournament level. We do our studies at a tournament level because in two, in those two weeks, we have 12 member countries that are in one place. So it's much easier and much cheaper to conduct the studies on women from 12 different countries because they're in one place for two weeks. Um, if money weren't an issue, then we wouldn't just need to wait for October or September when they come to COSAFA to do the research. We would be doing this research even whilst they're still in their member associations. We will be doing the injury surveillance from day one of their domestic leagues and following up the whole of the season, day one of the international calendar for all of those friendlies that they play and following them up throughout the season. And that way we can build an even richer data set because it gives us a better picture of our injury surveillance, of our um, of the injury risks and injury incidences that we're actually experiencing. That's one. The second is we would be doing uh, more work. We wouldn't just be focusing on the COSAFA region if money wasn't an issue. It would be nice to be able to expand this to all 54 member associations of the, of the continent. And that way we can actually get all of the nuances from West Africa and how we need to look at West Africa differently from East Africa, North Africa, and Central Africa, or Southern Africa, if there are similarities and if there are differences and who needs to be focusing more on what. 
and would also have more researchers available if money wasn't an issue. Uh, then, as I said, if you know, if we're going to be doing it in all 54 countries, then we have someone doing it in the Sikafa region, someone doing it in Unifark, and someone doing it in Wafu. And then at the end of the year, we can combine all of that data to give us an even ratio. Can you imagine the amount of detail that we would have? And can you imagine the amount of information and how rich it would be that we would have if we could combine all of that data from all 54 member associations? And if we could do it all across the year, as opposed to just waiting for those two week periods uh, in our football calendar. That certainly would be fantastic. Um, and then, Doctor, just a little bit about yourself to add, add some context for our listeners, um, your background and, and how you came into sports uh, physiotherapy. Ah, I'm a physiotherapist and an exercise physiologist by training. Um, I studied at the University of Zimbabwe and then later uh, at the University of Cape Town for my PhD. I decided I was going to be a sports physiotherapist when when was it? I don't I don't remember the year, but you remember the year when we played the when there was the World Cup in Korea, Japan? I think that was 2002. Yeah. So the 2002 World Cup in Korea, Japan, I was home. Uh, I wasn't at school um, for some reason or the other. And I was watching football during the day uh, because as a person who was in boarding school, you were always in school during the type of the World Cup. So I never actually got to watch it. But this time I was at home and I was watching it. And I think it must have been Brazil playing someone whom I cannot remember now. And I decided I was going to be that person who runs on the field of play when someone gets injured. I, The name physiotherapist wasn't even in my vocabulary. I didn't even know they existed, or at least in that context. If anything, I knew them as people who helped you when you had a stroke or something like that. But that was as far as I knew uh, of physiotherapist. But it was that day that I decided I was going to be the person, name I identified, who runs onto the field of play when they get injured. I thought that person was just a medical doctor, so... That was the plan. I was going to be a medical doctor and I was going to specialize and uh, and do something in sports. But uh, then later on, I got to know that there is a person called a physiotherapist. And that is one of the things that they do. And when you are 17 years old, you are very impatient. And I decided, well, if I go and study physiotherapy, I get to do this after four years. If I go and become a medical doctor, I have to wait for five years, do my community service and then specialize. But I wanted to get it done now. So I went, I studied physiotherapy and uh, the rest is history, I suppose. Um, and I've spent most of my adult life on a sports field in one way or the other. Um, and then specialization and yeah, here we are. No, well, it's uh, it's been fascinating. Thank you so much, Doctor. I really do, do appreciate your time and we wish you um, all the best for the continuation and, and hopefully the expansion of what is clearly a, a very uh, important project uh, on the African continent. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. That's it for another episode of the Kasafa Show. We will be back in a fortnight. Don't forget you can listen to more of our podcasts on our YouTube channel, Spotify, and iTunes. You can also get the latest news via our website at www.kasafa.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Mm-hmm.